Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. How are you today? Hope all is well in your world. As you know, this is President's Day, which means that a lot of things are closed. But hey, we are still here. And the opportunity to talk about the news of the day, all of the things that are grabbing attention in our community and beyond. I want to delve into several things, including something very interesting that is now getting attention. I have been very careful and I've walked a very careful line with regard to this vaccine issue. And one of the interesting things is now that the alleged threat is over with, now we're talking about the threat from the vaccine. It's really disturbing stuff. And it raises all kinds of questions about, I think it should raise questions about liability. We will talk about that during the course of our conversation today. Uh, not a sexy subject. What is going on with our debt? Our debt. There's a piece of information that just one line is something that ought to be a source for alarm, but it's not. It is unfortunately covered up by what I would characterize as a whole lot of entertainment. <laughs> we will talk about this piece of information reported by the Wall Street Journal. We also have one of the left's favorite surrogates. He has a talk show. Um, He's a person, I, I think he's, he's clearly a very intelligent person. I know some people who really enjoy his show. Um, it's typical leftist stuff. Typical black leftist stuff. I mentioned that because he's a very important surrogate for Joe Biden. But he has some pretty uninspiring things to say about Joe Biden. You're going to hear this guy for yourself. By the way, I don't like part of the name that he tries to use. Frankly, I think it's blasphemous. And I won't be using it. But you will hear what he has to say coming up a little bit later on on the broadcast. Just a preview of some of the things we'll delve into during the course of the conversation today. I want to begin with a very interesting protest that happened here in the city of Charlotte. I thought this was very uh, kind of off the wall, but it grabbed my attention about the level of concern and, and dare I say it, desperation that would drive people to the streets to express concern about something that is taking place. Charlotte Observer reports on this. Eight charged in Charlotte political protest that blocked street and set truck on fire. What was this about? They made several arrests. Charlotte police deployed pepper spray and closed a major road for an unlawful protest that blocked a business hosting a cultural festival. Now, police in a news release identified the festival on Monroe Road as an Eritrean cultural event. WSOC reported the protest was over international politics with two groups at the scene, one supporting the government of the East African country of Eritrea and another saying the country's president is a brutal dictator. Isn't it interesting? We've got the showdown of these two sides right here in the city of Charlotte. It, it just kind of gives you a picture 
of the international flavor of our city. You've got these two sides. So what is this all about? The police department posted photos from the scene of officers in riot gear and said its civil emergency unit was met with violence and aggression. And this crowd of 200 set a tractor trailer on fire. By the time the scene cleared around 930 on Saturday, police said they arrested eight people, including three male participants who faced charges of impeding traffic and a female participant who faced charges of impeding traffic, inciting a riot and assault on a government official for hitting an officer. The other arrests for impeding traffic, failure to disperse. By the way, police seized a firearm from the female protester. Officers in Charlotte protesters were treated at the scene for injuries related to pepper spray used to disperse the crowd. Now, police said in a news release, officer got, officers got involved in this shortly after 3 o'clock when a bike unit attempted to move protesters out of the street. 4,300 block of Monroe Road. The police used pepper spray on people blocking the street. So at 317, Monroe Road between McElway Drive and Alliance shut down because of this unlawful protest on private property. Police gave dispersal orders again shortly after 630 when the crowd blocked the entrance to the business hosting the cultural event. The CMPD Civil Emergency Unit deployed after 7.20. Officers met with violence, people throwing objects. Charlotte Fire Department responded when protesters set fire to a nearby tractor trailer. Officers helped the cultural event attendees leave the scene shortly before 9 o'clock. Some protesters remained there. But the scene was clear around 9.30. So what was this all about? The observers reporting a similar situation occurred last week in the Netherlands. There, two rival groups clashed as a group loyal to Eritrea's government held a meeting in a venue that was attacked. In the Netherlands riot, officers used tear gas and rioters torched police cars and a bus. So part of this event, from what we understand, people at the Monroe Road business were trying to raise money to send back to Eritrea. The women described Eritrea as the North Korea of Africa. Boy, that's pretty strong language. Human Rights Watch, a group that says it investigates and reports on abuses in all corners of the globe, says Eritrea's government subjects its population to widespread repression, including widespread forced labor and conscription, staunch restrictions on freedom of expression, opinion, and faith, and restricting independent scrutiny by international monitors. This also attracted the attention of Congressman Dan Bishop. Dan Bishop, who's running for Attorney General, he used the local incident to criticize President Joe Biden's immigration policies. Congress has no data on the distribution of illegal aliens around the country as the result of Biden's open borders program. Bishop posting on X. It's long been clear Charlotte is a big destination. How's it working out, Democrats? He wants to subpoena non-government organizations that aid people living in the country without legal permission. So it sounds like he's suggesting maybe some of these folks are not here legally. And it is interesting that this would blow up as it has right here in the city of Charlotte. Very, very interesting story, isn't it? If you happen to be from that country, Eritrea, I've heard of the country before, and you have any insights to offer on this ongoing conflict, and again, it's obvious this is a subject of concern, not just here. We mentioned the protest in the Netherlands. Why here and why now is one of the questions I think a lot of people would certainly raise. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. And we're back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Our phone number is 704-570-1110. If you'd like to weigh in on what we have discussed thus far, 704-570-1110 is that number. But also like to tell you about something really interesting, an opportunity you may want to take advantage of. You can join Breaking Brett Jensen at the first WBT Cigar Club meetup of 2024. It's coming up Thursday, February 29th. That is a week from Thursday, 6 to 9 p.m., the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar in Gastonia. Watch Brett host Breaking with Brett Jensen live. Browse premium cigar brands, including Cohiba, and enjoy giveaways and specials courtesy of the Vintage. It's the WBT Cigar Club. Thursday, February 29th, the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar in Gastonia. Seating is limited, so lock in your reservation today. Email cigar at wbt.com for reservations. Let's go out to a call from Gail, who would like to comment about that protest out there over the weekend on Monroe Road. Good morning, Gail, and welcome. Good morning, Vince. I just wanted to ask a couple of questions of you. Um, the people that were out there protesting, are they considered to be terrorists if they do what they did, setting a tractor-trailer truck on fire, having to bring out SWAT teams that could easily kill other people in the crowds or people living, the residents there? I understand that people are very afraid now who live in that area. I wouldn't characterize this as terrorism as much as I would just a riot. I think that's the language that the police department use. Uh, this is basically a riot. You know, when you're uh, carrying out destructive activities like this, and yes, I can understand why people in the area would be concerned about uh, things like this happening in their neighborhood, in this community. It's it's not good. Uh, I'm assuming you don't live out there. Is that correct? No, I don't. I'm in Matthews, but I do know people who are there and have spoken with them about this situation. And they felt that it was, uh, for the residents there, uh, having to call a SWAT team out, that's, a, you know, that fools around with your mental capacity. Yeah, that's man. pretty scary uh, stuff. It is. It is. It's very scary. And especially a lot of the older folks who live out there, um, they are afraid to go out now of their homes. They um, board up their doors at night because uh, they're, they're, they're afraid. But uh, number two, I wanted to ask, um, uh, who is going to pay to have the tractor trailer re Placed and all the charges with that, and the person whose tractor trailer they set on fire, you know, they were inconvenienced too. I don't think folks like myself would do something like that. Um, well, of course and, not. And I just hope that others in this country that are here who are immigrants are are and are here lawfully. I. I open my heart to them because my family were immigrants and came here. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to ask you, who foots the bill for all of this with the SWAT team? Is it you and myself? Well, when it comes to the police enforcement, uh, that is us. Now, the things you're talking about as far as damage to a tractor trailer, uh, this goes into the insurance category, which uh, probably also ultimately may come back to us because if uh, people's rates are affected somehow over things like this, uh, you know, it affects all of us. So, you know, a thing I really appreciate, appreciate about what you've expressed, you've struck really every chord on this issue. You're concerned about what happened, the crime aspect of this. But I also, I appreciate your heart, Gail, because you're, you're concerned about the people involved, too. And it's not just protecting us from those immigrants. You're sensitive to whatever concerns, legitimate concerns may be there. Um, it's just, as you know, it's important that people protest in the right way uh, without, you know, the, the sad thing is, uh, and, and I have to say it, uh, they certainly did not learn 
the right way to go about this thing from the Black Lives Matter movement. That was not very helpful to demonstrate the way these things are done the proper way. Uh, Gail, very much appreciate your call and hope that your uh, friends that you are aware of out there get the answers they need. And, And honestly, that the people in Eritrea, the issues that have affected the folks there, um, are addressed in the appropriate manner. You know, this is another important reminder as to why so many people are trying to get to, to the United States of America. I mean, I don't know what the situation is there. If it indeed has a dictatorship, if you indeed have political issues and, uh, and repression there, um, you can understand why somebody would want to come here to be able to enjoy the freedoms that we have in this country. It again highlights what a blessing for us to have the United States of America for all of its flaws. It's a blessing for us to have this country to call home. I think that's a very good thing. I'm not going to jump into this uh, other than previewing this conversation because Man, have we talked about this ad nauseum over the past few years, the subject of vaccines? There were so many people who were very militant on both directions on this. We had people who uh, they thought you had to get every shot. It, it wasn't enough for them to take these shots. They think everybody else should take these shots, including people in government, forcing our military to do this. And... We've learned that there are issues. And I should also mention the other side, people militantly against these shots and not wanting, you know, a needle to touch any part of their body to inject this very new shot into their systems um, on the grounds that, I mean, there are people who just, they're extreme on this altogether. Along the way, there are people who have concerns about these shots from the very perspective that they're new and there's mystery because there's no record. And there's a lot of legitimate questions that do need to be raised, especially when we've had data along the way suggesting there could be side effects. And who's going to be responsible Our caller was raising concern about who's going to pay. Well, I'd raise the same question here. Because these folks who develop these so-called vaccines, they have immunity. I think this is a conversation we need to open up again, especially when you hear the information that we are hearing now from studies. We'll talk about this much more. Still to come in the broadcast, we're going to talk about the presidential contest, ongoing doubts about the current president and his ability to close the deal with a re-election coming up this fall. But first, let's talk about vaccines. This has been a hot issue, and of course, with time... There's less and less attention on this because the crisis is over with. Bloomberg reports largest COVID vaccine study yet finds links to health conditions. Surprise, surprise. Vaccines to protect against severe illness, death and lingering long COVID symptoms from a coronavirus infection were linked to small increases in neurological blood and heart related conditions in the largest global vaccine safety study to date. The rare events identified early in the pandemic, and I'm glad to hear they are rare, included a higher risk of heart-related inflammation from mRNA shots made by Pfizer, BioNTech SE, and Moderna and an increased risk of a type of blood clot in the brain after immunization 
with viral vector vaccines, such as the one developed by the University of Oxford and made by AstraZeneca. The viral vector jabs also tied to an increased risk of Guillain-Barr syndrome, a neurological disorder in which the immune system mistakenly attacks the peripheral nervous system. More than 13.5 billion doses of COVID vaccines have been administered globally over the past three years. They believe these have saved over a million lives in Europe alone. Still a small proportion of people immunized were injured by the shots, stoking debate about their benefits versus harms. The new research by the Global Vaccine Data Network published in the journal Vaccine last week with the data made available via interactive dashboards to show methodology and specific findings. The research looked for 13 medical conditions the group considered adverse events of special interest among 99 million vaccinated individuals in eight countries. That's a lot of people. This isn't some small sample. Aiming to identify higher than expected cases after a COVID shot. The use of aggregated data increased the possibility of identifying rare safety signals that might have been missed when looking only at smaller populations. Myocarditis or inflammation of the heart muscle consistently identified following a first, second, and third dose of mRNA vaccines. The highest increase in the observed to expected ratio seen after a second jab with a Moderna shot. A first and fourth dose of the same vaccine also tied to an increase in pericarditis or inflammation of the thin sac covering the heart. Researchers found a statistically significant increase in cases of Guillain-Barr syndrome. 42 days of an initial Oxford-developed shot that wasn't observed with mRNA vaccines based on the background incidence of the condition. 66 cases were expected, but 190 events were observed. Can I just interject here? What's the harm in just financially taking care of these folks who have these issues? What is the harm? And we know that these pharmaceutical firms have made billions of dollars. This particular vaccine linked to a threefold increase in cerebral venous sinus thrombosis, a type of blood clot in the brain identified in 69 events compared with an expected 21. The small risk led to the vaccine's withdrawal restriction in Denmark and multiple other countries. Myocarditis also linked to a third dose of that vaccine in some but not all populations studied. Possible safety signals for transverse myelitis, spinal cord inflammation, after viral vector vaccines identified in the study. Also, inflammation and swelling in the brain and spinal cord after both viral vector and mRNA vaccines. You get the idea. There are a number of conditions here that have been identified where do these people go exercise intolerance excessive fatigue numbness brain fog among common symptoms identified more than 240 adults experiencing chronic post-vaccination syndrome in a separate study conducted by the Yale School of Medicine the cause of this syndrome isn't known yet and has no diagnostic tests or proven remedies. So we have a number of things here. And I think the bottom line, as it's been characterized here, 
both things can be true. Yes, lives have been saved. There can also be a small number of people who've been adversely affected. How about you? Have you been affected? Do you have concern that you have been affected by these shots? And what do you think is the solution? How should this be addressed? And have we learned anything about how to address a similar situation in the future? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So I'm curious, those of you who did not get the shots, do you feel vindicated now? Are you glad you didn't get this in the first place? Let's go out to a call from Dennis. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning, Vince. Just like to say, uh, long-time listener, enjoy your show. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, Part of the reason for my call is... uh, my wife is a cancer survivor and uh, not related to the shots, fortunately. Uh, but because of her situation, we've done a lot of study, read a lot of studies and listened to several podcasts. And one of the odd things that we're seeing and what we're reading is these cancers, they're called turbo cancers, that pop up randomly throughout the body. Um, and they seem to be tied directly to a lot of the shots. I know there's a variety of shots and manufacturers of them, but um, from what we've been seeing and reading, uh, that's a very big concern. And again, we would we're only looking into that because we, you know, have this direct correlation with cancer. And uh, thankfully, she is doing really well. But we did not receive any of the shots and chose to do that right from the beginning, not even knowing that there would be side effects. But with the timeline that they put into developing those shots, we were convinced that there were going to be side effects. We never felt comfortable with the short time they produced these vaccines and then, of course, crammed them down your throat, so to speak. Yeah, I think a lot of people had this concern. The timetable, you know, I I think people would have felt a whole lot more comfortable when you've got some sort of track record. You've got some studies that indicates that they are safe over a period of time. I mean, let's get real here. Are we not all guinea pigs here and experimenting with these vaccines? That's the bottom line. I mean, if we're honest about it. That's exactly how we feel and have felt. And we have direct ties. My wife has been in the medical field and retired now, but for 30-some years. Uh, and my brother-in-law, who helps us a lot with the studies, has plenty of time to do so. He's also retired. Uh, you know, this is a bright guy. He he did his graduate work at Duke University. And uh, we put a lot of faith and stock in what he reads and uh, sends on to us. Uh, but I, I just think... We are scratching the surface of all the effects that are going to come down the road. And I think that somebody should be responsible. This immunity thing's a bunch of crap. Yeah, I'm fully with you on this. Well, I hope your wife continues to do well, Dennis. And I do Thank appreciate your call. Do call again sometime, all right? I'll do it. Thank you. I think there are a lot of people out there who've had some legitimate concerns and probably over time we are going to find out more about the the effects the negative side effects and to the extent that there is widespread effectiveness here in preventing deaths praise god i'm glad for that love to get your thoughts on this as we continue the broadcast let's talk about Money, since we're talking about dollars and cents, one of the factors as to why these 
pharmaceutical firms believe it's so important for them to have exemption from liability. I am quite intrigued by the story by the Wall Street Journal. And I told you this is not something that's very sexy that will get very much attention at all. But I hope we have a conversation about it. I don't think this is the year for it. This is the year. You know, I just thought of a great name for this election. It's also the same name for the previous presidential election. This is the grumpy old men election. That's what it is. I have a strong suspicion that what I'm about to share with you will not be a prominent matter for discussion. Wall Street Journal reports a $1 trillion conundrum. The U.S. government's mounting debt bill. I just cannot conceive, and, and I think most of us, we start to gloss over when we hear these numbers because we, we don't have any concept of this amount of money. I, it's funny, I, watch, I love watching old shows, and one of the shows that I've been binge-watching is Perry Mason. And I saw an episode where there was a whole lot of money in a, in a um, an attache case. And I'm just looking, you know, supposedly $40,000 is in there. And I'm, and for those of us who don't deal with cash, you know, you don't work at a bank or something like that. You just don't have a concept of having that much money. I mean, thousands at one time in cash. I mean, <laughs> aside from the discussion we heard last week from Fonnie Willis talking about having cash at her home. We can't even conceive of tens of thousands of dollars in cash in hand. The idea of billions and then getting into trillions, its it blows circuits. It really does. And the sad thing for politicians, this may as well be monopoly money. Wall Street Journal story, higher treasury yields snowball into $1.1 trillion of additional interest. Did you hear that word? Interest. This is not principal. This is interest. $1.1 trillion. You think your interest on your credit cards or your mortgage is bad. This is horrendous. Treasury yields have sprung to multi-year highs, forcing the U.S. government to pay a lot more in interest and putting pressure on the budget. The U.S. government is expected to pay an additional $1.1 trillion in interest over the coming decade, according to the Congressional Budget Office's latest estimates. Interest costs are on pace to surpass defense this year. Did you hear me? Interest costs surpassing defense as one of the largest government expenses in the budget. Only Social Security and Medicare are forecast to be bigger burdens in the coming years. And folks... Have you seen a darn thing done, anything done, to start to get this under control? Of course not. I just thought I shouldn't mention it to you. And if you have the opportunity to talk to these candidates running for national office, this might be something to discuss with them. What are you going to do? Are you willing to say no? Somebody has to. Stay with us. And welcome to hour number two of the Vince Coakley radio program. In response to some of the things we've discussed in the previous hour, we talked about the potential negative impact of vaccines for COVID 
Jabril writes in, I'm not sure how much you know about Guillain-Barr syndrome. It's a very rare disease that can end up paralyzing you. I had it several years ago. Ended up going to the ER about three different times before I was properly diagnosed. At that point, I had to stay in the ICU. I had to learn to walk and use my hands again. My recovery was fairly quick considering, but some never recover 100%. On the debt issue, Jeff writes in with his usual humor. You think what you talked about a little bit ago was interesting interest on the debt. How about the 260 trillion plus in unfunded liabilities? That's something else I look at on the U.S. debt clock. Is it a 260? Oh, my goodness. You know, at some point, see, this is what I'm talking about. It all just becomes so overwhelming. You're just like, you know what? <laughs> this is just not at all. Ah, there's no hope. And, and I think that's the danger here. There is no hope at all. And so why bother? Let's just kick the can down the road and hope that it doesn't come back to bite us in the rear end. And chances are, like in my case, I may uh, not be around when, it's been, when it becomes an issue. But what am I doing to my children and my grandchildren by putting this debt upon them? Because that's exactly what's happening here. The debt is being offloaded to another generation. Isn't that wonderful? Still to come. Uh, one of the things you heard me say last week, I was talking about Fonnie Willis and what an embarrassment she is. That this whole spectacle is not a good look for, you know, I'm thinking as a black man. I frankly, I'm embarrassed. It's kind of interesting because someone has written a piece on this very subject. We'll get to this coming up. But first, let's talk about one of the big supporters of Joe Biden, who was interviewed on this week, over the weekend, by ABC's Jonathan Carl. I'm talking about Charlemagne. I'm not going to tell you what Charlemagne calls himself because I think it's blasphemous. Nonetheless, Charlemagne is one we should pay attention to to get a sense of the pulse of people in the black community who feel some sense of responsibility for doing everything they can to make sure a Democrat is elected. And you'll hear this in his perspective because he has a very negative perspective toward Republicans. I, and I want to make very clear, I'm not here to defend Republicans. But I can tell you that this is the same. Um, uh, let's just say Charlemagne is leftist. I mean, it's just really that simple. So in this interview, Charlemagne talks about three elements. And I thought this was kind of clever the way he put this together. I don't necessarily agree that it's this neat because I think the first two categories he describes, it's true of all of the Democrats. Well, not all the Democrats and Republicans. I'm saying it's true of both parties. In this first clips, clip, he refers to the contest. Because it's not just a presidential contest between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. There are three factors he describes. Crooks, cowards... And the couch. Listen up. The crooks are the Republicans. The, the, the cowards are the Democrats because they don't fight hard enough on anything. And, you know, the couch is voter apathy. And, you know, that's, that's who everybody is up against in 2024. And right now, right now, it feels like the couch is going to win. I don't know who that benefits, you know, by the couch winning. But it feels like the couch is going to win. And why not? I mean, I, and I know there are a lot of diehard Donald Trump supporters out there. But aside from that, there's not a lot of energy and excitement about these two geriatric candidates running yet again. Now, you'll understand why I don't agree with Charlemagne's characterization, because I, 
as I said, I believe there are crooks and cowards in both parties. And the couch is attractive because as you look at these two, at least for somebody like me, I'm not inspired. And I don't mind repeating to you what I said a week or two ago, that based on the current scenario, it's not out of the realm of possibility that I will not vote for either one of them. Whether that means an independent or whether I just leave that blank, I don't know. November's a long time away. And I think it's important to keep that in mind. This is the part that really got interesting on the subject of Joe Biden. Now, keep in mind, Charlemagne is a leftist. No mistaking that. He is a leftist. But he's also very honest about the candidate that he supports. The sad thing is, for him, he sees Joe Biden as profoundly boring. Listen up. Well, he's, a, he's just an uninspiring candidate. Like, you know, there's nothing about, you know, Joe Biden that makes you want to listen to him. That's why he should be leaning on, you know, his vice president, Kamala Harris, who's way more charismatic than him. He should be le- leaning on, you know, other surrogates like, you know, G- Gavin Newsom or, you know, Sh- Sh- Shapiro in, 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 P- in Pennsylvania. Like, he should be leaning on people who have are more inspiring than him, who are more charismatic than him. And he should just be, I guess, if you want to call it, the brains of the operation behind the scenes like that sounds crazy that we're saying that about a president of the united states of america but he he has no main character energy at all none and what is that is that age is it the way he is i mean why, why do you what, what, what's the problem i don't think it has anything to do with with, with with age you know i think it has just everything to do with with him like donald trump is what four years three years younger than president biden but he just comes off a lot more youthful. He comes off, you know, like he has a lot more energy. And I always say this about them. Donald Trump seems more sincere about his lies than Joe Biden does about his truth. (laughs) There's a reason for that. Because Joe Biden is a liar. He's a liar. He's not convincing at all. I also think it's funny. He's talking about Joe Biden being the brains of the operation. Really? If that's the case, this thing's in trouble, (laughs) big time trouble. (laughs) The brains, the perspective of Charlemagne, who has a lot of connections in the black community, and they're counting on people like him to help get people to turn out to vote. They've got to show up for Joe Biden, because if they don't, his candidacy is in trouble. They need black voters, which is why they moved the first primary to South Carolina. This is all very elementary, folks. Still to come, the chorus of people calling for Joe Biden to step aside. We've got another member of that chorus as we continue the broadcast. Um, Not very surprising at all. Not much more. As we continue the Vince Coakley radio program. Also the idea of Fonnie Willis and how she represents people in the black community. What does that look like? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Wow, some interesting calls here on the line. Uh, Let's jump to a couple of these, beginning with Chris. Good morning and welcome, Chris. Hello, Vince. How are you doing today? All right, sir. Uh, I just thought I would submit for you the name I call Charlemagne. uh, It rhymes with his chosen name, but I call him Charlemagne the Fraud because he is completely (laughs) fraudulent. He's the one that brought up all this or one of these that, it's trying to say that America is systemically racist. I'm just tired of him trying to, he's trying to divide people. 
That is not what this country needs. But like I say, I call him Charlemagne the Fraud. <laughs> That's pretty good, Chris. Uh, well, thanks very much for your call. Uh, he, by the way, for those of you who are not familiar, he calls himself Charlemagne by deity. Charlemagne the G-O-D. Which I don't care if, you know, and boy, I don't want to get into a theological conversation here. But there are a lot of professing Christians who believe they are gods. And I don't want to go down that line this morning. But it's it's crazy. I'll just leave it there. So I refuse to call. I'm not going to call somebody that. He's lost his mind. Uh, let's go out to David. David, welcome to the hey. broadcast, sir. Hey, how's it going? All right, sir. You know what? Vince, I believe the American people, we are being played right now. The way it's fallen in together is the way I thought it would with Biden. I don't think the Democratic Party has any intention if he'll be on the ballot come November. But it was never to their advantage to pull him early because then they had to ask questions like, well, if you're if he's not running again, he must not be fit. So I think they're going to let him take all the hits. Then at the last minute, they're going to put somebody else in his place. The American people be so thankful that it's not Biden or Trump that they won't question it and notice be swept in the office. You know, and I think part of the strategy, you tell me if you're tracking the same way I am. I think a lot of this is to lure Republicans into a false sense of security and guarantee that Donald Trump is the nominee. I think that's what they want. They want to make sure he's on the ballot and that he's locked in, and then they can do a, a bait and switch after at the Democrat convention, perhaps. That's when they can make their change. Uh, I wouldn't deny that. I mean, because I've always thought this. You know what? Trump is the only guy that could lose to Biden. I think, and I think Biden's the only guy that could lose to Trump. If you put anybody else in one of their places, I think they win easily. You replace Trump with somebody, I think he wins easily against Biden. I think if you replace Biden, he wins easily against Trump. It's almost like instead of getting our two best candidates, we just throw in our two worst candidates and just see what happens. <laughs> I mean, really. But I think there's always been a plan to yeah. wait till the last minute and pull yeah. Biden and put somebody in, their, in his place, and people would be so relieved that they'll just vote for that person and there you go. See, and 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 I don't think people realize uh, the hardcore Donald Trump supporters. They don't realize the power of the anti-Trump movement. Uh, Donald Trump, yes, he got people to the polls to vote for him, but clearly in 2020, he got more people to the polls to vote against him. You know, people are like, I can't believe 80 million people voted for Joe Biden. They didn't vote for Joe Biden. They voted against Donald Trump. And I think that up, is what they're hoping for. The anti-vote. At this point, people make a big deal out of Trump getting uh, 50% plus in the primaries. Okay, you, got, you can't look at Trump as a normal candidate. He's more or less like an, an incumbent in my eyes when it comes to the Republican Party. So for an incumbent to only get 50% in the primary is not very good. But we act like, oh, well, he's getting 50%, 60%. This is great. But he's really, it's a unique situation since he was already president for four years that I almost look at him as an incumbent in the Republican Party, not a candidate in the normal manner that we would get a candidate. So I'm yeah, not you, impressed by 50%. Well, you make a very interesting point there, David. Um, it will be interesting to see how all of this plays out. And, and again, I remind you, November, between now and November, it's like an eternity. It really is. Interesting piece in The Hill, citing a New York Times columnist who makes the case that Biden should not run again. We're talking about Ezra Klein columnist and podcast host for the New York Times called on President Biden to end his White House bid and go out as a hero. Doesn't everybody want to be a hero? I want to say this clearly. He says, I like Biden. I think he's a good president. I think he's a good president. I don't like having this conversation. 
And I know a lot of liberals, a lot of Democrats are going to be furious at me for this show. I think Biden, as painful as this is, should find his way to stepping down as a hero. The people whom Biden listens to, Barack Obama, Chuck Schumer, Ron Klain, Nancy Pelosi, Anita Dunn, they need to get him to see this. Biden may come to see it himself. Klein said the Democratic Party should want to help Biden to be the bridge to the next generation, making reference to what the president called himself during his 2020 campaign. The party should help him find his way to that, to being the thing he said he would be in 2020, the bridge to the next generation of Democrats. And then I think Democrats should meet in August at the convention to do what political parties have done at conventions so many times before, organize victory. Klein stated, while he appreciated Biden's achievements while in office, such as the Inflation Reduction Act, he also noted the president's been trailing in the polls and invoked the recent stir over his age after a damning special counsel report branded him a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with poor memory. To say this is a media invention, that people are worried about Biden's age because the media keeps telling them to be worried about Biden's age? If you're really convinced yourself of that, in your heart of hearts, I almost don't know what to tell you. In poll after poll, 70 to 80% of voters are worried about his age. This is not a thing people need the media to see. A recent poll conducted in the wake of the report found 86% of Americans think he's too old for office. So Ezra Klein, prominent liberal, saying it's time for Joe Biden to shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> kind of interesting, isn't it? How do you think this is going to go over? Earlier in the broadcast, I mentioned the interest on our debts. $1.2 trillion. Chris writes in, you just said we have to pay over a trillion dollars in interest. Question, who is collecting that massive cash windfall from our government? Well... Who owns our debt? The Federal Reserve owns most of our debts. And who are these people? They are private bankers. See, they're going to get paid no matter what. That's the crazy thing about this. They are going to get paid. In the meantime, we are paying all the way around. That's the unfortunate thing. We get the bill. This is why it's not even in the interests of these bankers for us to not have debt because they're making money off of the irresponsibility of our politicians. All right, let's move on from this. You know, last week, I've always been conscious of this. And, you know, I have a great deal of appreciation for people like my mother and father who were they were I'm, I'm, I'm trailblazers is the word i was looking for and one of the things that made them trailblazers it's not just the things that they did it was the people they they were they are my dad has passed away my mom's still here but the way they conducted themselves, their character. You know, I was just having a conversation with my mom's pastor the other day. You know, I, I think one of the best things that you can experience is to have people speak well of you and your character. And it was cool to listen to her pastor described all of the people who have been blessed by my mom as they continue to pray for her and wonder how she is doing. This isn't a thing just in Kentucky. This goes back to, where were we before Kentucky? Delaware and Indianapolis and uh, Cincinnati. Everywhere they've been, my parents have been, they... They established a reputation for their character, 
their upstanding character. So it's very frustrating to me when I see people who are in positions of power and they bring embarrassment to us as a people. For just, can I just say it, just pure stupidity. That was what was on display last week. Kara Davis wrote a piece for Newsweek. And it's right on the money. Right on the money. Kara is the author of Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. Here's what she says. The title is Fonnie Willis is an embarrassment to black people. She's the proof that DEI only hurts us. As a black woman and working professional, I've never been a huge fan of affirmative action and the recent rise of critical theory and diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. It's only bolstered my resistance. While it may seem necessary to some in light in order to right the wrongs of the past, I can sum up why these measures are an unmitigated disaster for hardworking black America, black Americans in two words. Funny Willis. Willis is the prosecutor in one of the nation's major cities and most high-profile cases against former President Donald Trump. Her position in the historic nature of the case she's prosecuting put her in an elite class most black people will never even dream of reaching. One would expect such a person to be polished and classy and able to remain so even while responding to an uncomfortable barrage of questions on the witness stand. Instead, what we got was defiant, childish, sour woman who spoke with the sophistication of teenage girl at her first college party. It wasn't simply she sounded angry. She sounded stupid. As I watched her testimony with my husband, an unspoken dread passed between us, weighted by a certain type of sadness. We understood instinctively we were watching the result of a diversity-first system that ends up elevating the weak while simultaneously besmirching the strong. Oh, my gosh. Willis is an elect official, but to even be in a position to run for one of the highest offices in her state means she's passed through elite job after elite job. She's received degrees, awards, and accolades. How on earth, then, does such an accomplished woman sound like a freshman college student while participating in the trial of the century. Her foul demeanor and childish expressions only serve to magnify the grotesque consequences diversity hiring has for black America in general. Every time someone like me seeks professional advancement, I'm forced to wonder how many people in the room think I shouldn't be there before I've even opened my mouth. I will have to swallow offenses I should really be battling because I must battle not only my professional challenges, but the specter of the angry, defiant black woman who only got her job because she's not white. Many of my colleagues will look at my complaint that I have as frivolous and rooted in entitlement. I must be my best and then be even better than my best because of the pathetic expectations Willis and her counterparts have sown on behalf of the rest of us. We will forever be forced to carry Fonnie Willis on our backs into every professional situation. Diversity first hiring does the opposite of what I'm sure we all hope it really could do. It is not even the playing field. Instead, it puts all of black America behind left once again to prove to the elites in charge that we're more than our skin color. I was deeply ashamed and discouraged to watch Willis' performance on the witness stand as many inroads as I have tried to make in my own industry for black content creators. I'm doomed to be haunted by the inherent distrust sown by diversity-first practices. It isn't fair of others to cast those aspersions on me simply because of my skin color, but that's just how it is. I must deal with the world the way it is, not the way I wish it would be. And what I wish it would be is a world in which I would be judged on my merits. And my complaints and diverging opinions would be judged likewise. Shame on Fonnie Willis and every corrupt person 
who allowed her to take the path of least resistance just to fill a quota. You've doomed us all. A pox on your houses. Wow. Kira Davis, author of Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. Also has a podcast called Just Listen to Yourself. And I agree with every solitary word. Every single one. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You know, it's pretty amazing. I'm a uh, big aviation person and I saw a story I just absolutely have to share with you it's really cool absolutely cool you know a little bit scary too when you think about the uh, the speed of a couple of planes business insider reported on this two passenger planes hit over 800 miles per hour on recent flights due to strong winds it's over 200 miles per hour more than a typical plane ride on Saturday a Virgin Atlantic plane and United Airlines plane reached speeds over 800 miles an hour some of the highest known recorded speeds for passenger flights near record-breaking winds are to blame on Saturday, two flights arrived at their destinations early. A Virgin Atlantic flight from D.C. to London landed 45 minutes ahead of schedule. Meanwhile, United Airlines flight from Newark landed in Lisbon 20 minutes early. The passengers had strong winds to thank for that. High-altitude winds over the mid-Atlantic helped the planes surpass speeds of 800 miles per hour. According to Simple Flying, passenger planes typically have a cruising speed of around 600 miles an hour. Did you know that it was really that fast? The National Weather Service in the D.C. area reported the winds reached speeds of 265 miles per hour. The wind! According to NPR, the highest recorded wind speed in the area reached 267 back in 2002. This makes Saturday's winds the second highest in the region. Contrasting temperatures often cause strong winds, which is what happened on Saturday. Cold air from the northeast, warm air from the southeast led to those winds. They pushed Virgin's Boeing 787 to a ground speed of 802 miles an hour. United's Boeing 787 to 838 miles per hour. The speed of sound is 767. While they were flying faster than the speed of sound, the planes didn't break the sound barrier. That's because the planes were still flying at their typical cruising speeds. They were just flying in unusually fast air. While there isn't an official record of top ground speeds, the two Saturday flights are two of the highest known recorded speeds. Some of the other recorded speeds, top ones, included a Chinese, a China airline, Airlines flight that reached 826 over the Pacific Ocean last month, and British Airways flight that reached 825 in 2020. Isn't that sobering to think of travel? At that speed, it's absolutely mind-boggling. All right, Tommy, time for us to take a look at the day in history. How does that make you feel? 800 miles an hour. Is that scary at all to you? It's kind of hard, you know. We're, you know, you're talking about like the, uh, you know, the money and the debt, and it's hard to sort of fathom how much it is. I feel like 800 miles an hour is kind of hard to fathom how fast you're actually going. But you know, get there faster is cool with me. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's what I think as well. Absolutely love it. Let's take a look at the day in history, and we begin here in 1847. The Donner Party rescued in the Sierra Nevadas. 
1903, German settlers open a brewery in China. Here's one that may be before your time. I'm not sure, Tommy. So far, they have been. <laughs> 1913, this particular snack company started putting prizes in boxes. Oh, that's got to be Cracker Jack, doesn't it? Yeah, you know Cracker Jack. Take See, me out to the ball game. I have not seen those in years. I think I, you can like only find them basically at baseball stadiums now. You don't it. see them really in uh, grocery stores or anything. But something about going to going to the ballpark makes people want what whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. 1925, President Coolidge proposes eliminating the inheritance tax. <laughs> Boy, that really、uh, got blown away. 1942, this president ordered Japanese Americans into internment camps. Who was this president? 1942, wartime president. Oh, that would have been.、Uh, oh goodness.、Um, He was.、I'm、I'll、so、give you a hint.、Um, He was in his fourth term. Uh, FDR. FDR yeah, is I never、correct. say it with my chest. I need to be more confident. Yeah. This person in 1966 suggested the U.S. offer the Viet Cong a role in governing Vietnam. I'll give you a hint. His son is running for president now.、Uh, would that be、uh, Robert Kennedy Sr.? Robert Kennedy, 1966. 1970, the Chicago Seven acquitted of conspiracy charges, and in 2010, this golfer apologized for his off-the-course extracurricular activities. Oh man, that's got to be、uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, of course. Yep, and there was plenty to apologize for. He'd been a busy man. Get a load of this story. I thought this was rather bizarre. A motorist, according to the U.S. News in England, called police to report he's too drunk to drive. Police in England say a drunken driver did the right thing after doing the wrong thing. This emergency dispatcher received an unusual call when a motorist reported he was driving drunk and said he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> Boy, that's really comforting, isn't it? I mean, thanks a lot. You know. On the one hand, I guess I'm glad that you know he stopped driving and he got himself off the road. You know, that's I mean, out of a bad situation, that's a good thing. But it does seem like you know, buddy, why aren't you just calling yourself an Uber in a tow truck or something? That's got to be easier than it's got to be easier than everything else. But but Tommy, you need to be sympathetic. You need to be you need to be sympathetic. He said he had a rough weekend. And hey, you know, he, I, like I said, there's something to be said for him not just powering through and. You know, plowing through somebody, but and you know, drunk is really an understatement. When officers arrived, this 52-year-old man was in the van on the side of the road. A breath test revealed he was three times over the legal limit. Oh goodness! Three times. So that is very serious business. So, as you would expect, he was arrested, held in custody. Released after getting charged with drunken driving. So, yep, he、uh, told on himself, and hopefully, he's learned a lesson. And this is something that will not be repeated. That's all the time we have, folks. Thanks a lot for joining us, the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.